We are going into our sermon series. Forgive me for being um, kind of nerdy today. We are going into our new sermon series. We, we just concluded um, our sermon series. How, how many of you guys uh, really liked the Through the Summer Oldest Trick in the Book? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Well, this, um, this whole message series is something that the Lord placed in my heart back in January and uh, just didn't find like the right time to, to start it. And, uh, and what it has to do with is it has to do with the seven churches that God speaks about in the book of Revelation. So, so the sermon series that we're going to be doing for the next seven weeks is called Seven Letters. And so before we go into our message, let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, I thank you that, Lord, um, I can spit eloquent words, and I can do all these things, but God, they mean nothing <laughs> unless your Holy Spirit is breathed on them. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you that your word says, and uh, Lord and Peter, that, uh, that prophecy did not have its origin in the will of man, but man spoke of God as they were carried by the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We, we thank you for breathing on your word today that inspires, challenges, encourages us. And, uh, and when we get into the letters, there's correction and there's rebuke and there's things that we have to face uh, as a church and, and look at it square in the eye and say, yeah, we, we can't do this or, or we're not going to be those type of people. So Lord, we thank you for this. And we say, we love you. We love you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So Revelation is addressed to the first century church. Um, and it's addressed to the seven cities of the Roman province of Asia, which is now currently Turkey. So a little bit of history, if you are like that stuff. When I start giving like facts about current of, like the events of the Bible, does that stimulate you? Like some people, they start they, it like goes over their head. They're like, "No, shut up, get in the scriptures." Other people, they're like, "Yes, yeah." I don't know. You know, like you start talking about. I've always been one of the people that I love. I love like finding out about like around like like. Uh, we did uh, two of my favorite um, uh, classes that I did in, in Bible school were um, New Testament survey and Old Testament survey, and both of them were like the surrounding historical stuff around that, those times in the Bible. And I was just like, yes, this is awesome. But that's just me. I get kind of nerd out in that stuff. So, all right. So the seven letters, okay, they are um, written to, again, I said, uh, the seven cities. Um, and they actually represent all of Christ's church. That's why, it's, that's why it says to all of the saints. And so even though it says, you know, to the different churches and they're, and they're ascribed to them by name, um, that actually we realize that it isn't just for the seven churches because uh, Scripture uh, has where he's giving these corrections and he's giving these uh, different types of disciplines and stuff. But it's also actually for us today. It's for the church. It was, it was for the first century church, but it's for the church because it's just, it's, God's word is timeless. Amen? It's absolutely timeless. So some of the things we see here uh, when, uh, when we're getting into the letters is we see that uh, the church was threatened by a few different things. Uh, the church was threatened by uh, false teachings. Um, and so, so there's, so there's uh, Jesus is addressing this. And he, and he talks uh, specifically, he talks about the, the uh, teaching of the Nicolaitans. And so um, we really don't, there's not really, he doesn't describe what that teaching is, but through study and scholarly history and all this other stuff, um, that we, we perceive that the teaching of uh, the Nicolaitans was very similar to the teachings of Balaam, where 
um, where God's people were being seduced to participate in sexual immorality and idolatry. So when he's talking, about, and so what? So there was this teaching that you can be free in Christ and still do all of these type of things. So that's that's what a lot of us perceive. That's what the, the teaching of the uh, Nicolaitans were like. Hey, you can just you can just like have orgies and do all this other stuff, and you're free, and that's being free in Christ. When no, that's being we realize you know, that's sin, right? Um, persecution, and um, so they're being threatened by persecution. Uh, the th- compromise, um, and then uh, finally we see that Jesus is addressing spiritual complacency. So these are the themes that we're going to kind of see in the next seven weeks is we're going to see like kind of like these themes of what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking to his church. Say Jesus, Jesus. is talking to his church, right? This is completely different from Paul, and I love Paul. He's a man of God. He's an apostle, but he's a man, and he's, he spoke of God. But this is Jesus himself speaking to his church. Okay, it's a little bit different. Has a little bit more authority. Not that the, not that Paul's teachings aren't authoritative, but this is Christ Himself. If you open up your Bible, you'll see every letter was written in red. Come on, someone. So you can take these for the bank. Take them for the bank. Say, I'm going to take it to the bank. Yeah, I'm going to deposit it, and I'm going to get interest. Right? These are these are the words of the Lord. So Jesus set um, He sent this revelation to John. And, um, and he did it to encourage and, and fortify his church to resist the wiles of the devil. And so you'll see in the book of Revelation, you'll see uh, there's these different types of things that are happening. You'll see that the beast is, is killing and intimidating and threatening and, and, and causing violence to be upon the saints. If you're in here today, church, if you're in here, you are a saint of God. That's what he says. He does it when, he, when they're addressing to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in Corinth. So if you have said yes to Christ, if you have given your life over to him, then you are a saint. And so we see in the book of Revelation that he makes war with us. We see that, um, that there's encouragement because not only is there a war at the saints, but then there's deceptive heresy that's being proclaimed through the false, the false prophet. And there's all of these. And so what, what is deceptive heresy? Deceptive heresy is to change your belief system so that you will then allow sin into your life. That's what it is. What, that's what deception is. Deception is meant to get you off course so that you're no longer living for Christ and living surrendered to him. But what you start doing is you start living to appease your flesh. You start living to appease yourself. And so, so all of that stuff. And then obviously, you know, we know that there's uh, influence through the prostitute. And, and this word beguiling, that's a big word, isn't it? Want to learn a new word today? Maybe you already know what that is. But, but uh, in beguiling is to charm or enchant to cause deception. So the, so the prostitute manipulates and deceives and beguiles the church um, through her prostitution and, and causes to deceive and, and does it through um, and talks about when you see that the prostitute, all of, her, all of her wealth and all of her riches and all of her influence and all this other stuff. So, so she deceives and, 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 and is manipulating the world um, through all of those things. So are you guys ready to get into the letters? So what we want to do today is we're, we're setting, we're kind of setting the foundation for the, the, the remaining six weeks. And so in order to do that, I want to read through the book of Revelation chapter one. Now, a lot of, there are, you can be in, in one of two categories and maybe, or maybe you don't want to be categorized. So then you could say, you know, don't put me in a category. 
uh, with Revelation, either people love it and they study it because they, they, they love eschatology, or people are like, I don't really understand it, and so I don't really necessarily try to read it, and, and it's kind of scary. So, so, so when, you, when, you, when you think of Revelation, you may be like one of those people that are like, yes, I want to know this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And the, or you might be like, I don't really understand what the heck is even being said in this book. So, and if you're in either category, there's nothing wrong with that. That's it's completely fine. Um, so who the heck is calling me? Somebody is calling me. <laughs> it ain't Jesus. <laughs> it better be. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. My extended car warranty. All right. So, okay, so we're going to get into the book of Revelation, uh, and uh, uh, as, as we get uh, set on the stage here, um, if you got your Bibles or you got your, your tablets, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to read in the first few verses here. And uh, we see that, that the whole uh, book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? We get it wrong. We, some people think, well, it's a revelation of the apocalypse, the end times. No, the whole book is the revelation of Jesus. It's about Christ. And all of the stuff of the end times is like a little bit of a bonus. Okay? Right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like getting to know my wife, which is amazing, and then you find out she's extra, and it's a bonus. <laughs> I can say that because she's teaching in kids' church right now. If she was sitting right here, I wouldn't even say that. <laughs> no, I would. I would say it right to her face because I'm not afraid. <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> Good thing I'm going to call everybody to repentance at the end of service. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1. We're going to read verse 1 through 3. And it says, number one, right? Right what I said, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Come on. The revelation of Jesus Christ. There it is. That's, that's the explanation of the entirety of Revelation. Which God gave him... To show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. So it's so cool. We actually know. So he's saying, this is what it is. This is why it is. And this is who it is to. So that's really cool. So that's why it's just, I, I, it's, it's cool when the Bible explains itself. and gives us a little bit of understanding. Because there's, there's some... Uh, stuff that we have, we're like, we don't know who wrote this, or we don't, you know what I mean? So it's, it's really cool that it's, it's just kind of explained to us right there. Verse 2, whom bore, or who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw? Verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the word of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Verse 8, excuse me, verse 4. John, or let me pause there for a minute. Let me just pause for a second. For a second. Um, Revelation 1 through 3 is, uh, we, we see in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see in the Gospels that Jesus is revealed as a servant, and he's revealed as the Lamb of God. In the book of Revelation, <laughs> he's not revealed as the Lamb of God, He's revealed as the conquering king and the reigning lion. Amen. So that's why it is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Because the gospels reveal him as the servant, as the son, as the sacrifice. 
and then Revelation reveals him as the conquering king. So that way we get, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm talking about it. Because, because we got to understand the authority that Christ has. And that he has the name that is above every name. There's no other one like Christ. There's no other person like Jesus. They've been trying to snuff out his name and snuff out the Christian religion for 2,000 years. And why is it still going? Because it's the real deal, friends. I mean, persecution is still going on to this day in a large capacity. We don't see it because we live in America, right? We have, we have, we're the land of the free, home of the brave. But you go to other countries, go, go, in, go into uh, what we call um, the, the, well, the 10 window, the 1099 or the whatever it's called, the 1040 window. Yeah, you go there, proclaim Christ, and you can lose your life for that. We got missionaries that are, for some reason, we're in this time where more missionaries are now, and I know this because we stay in contact with, more missionaries are now getting booted out of countries and their visas because of a proclamation of Christ than never before. You have countries that were very open to the gospel, very open to missionaries, and they're getting kicked out left and right. It's insane. He's coming soon, y'all. People are becoming, they're becoming more and more irritated and aggravated at the gospel. Why? Because the gospel challenges us in, in our sin, and we don't like it. Chapter 4, or excuse me, uh, verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, if you, if you look at the beginning of any of the, of the epistles, uh, you know, uh, Philippians, Galatians, Colossians, they all start with this beautiful um, greeting. Grace to you, grace and peace to you. But they word it, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So isn't it, isn't it incredible that, that they begin their, their letters with grace and peace to you? It doesn't say shame and embarrassment to you or condemnation and wrath to you. Grace and peace, come on, church. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We need that, don't we? Amen. Grace and peace to you from the one who, and then it just, it just reminds us, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, just giving him a little bit of clarity of who he is. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood and has made us a kingdom, Priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And he just got to say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Have you ever just like said something or you heard something and you don't, there's no other word to say, you just say, Amen. Yeah, amen means so be it. It means I agree. It means ditto. It means done, right? Amen. Revelation chapter one, what was that verse? We just finished a verse. Oh, good, thank you. Verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So it's like everyone's going to see him, even those that are against him. Right now, people are, are, are piercing Christ right now when they disgrace his name, talk bad about him, talk bad about the church. They're still piercing him. And to all the tribes of the earth, we wait, we wait, well, excuse me, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so, amen. Can you imagine being on that end of it? You see Christ. Have you ever seen somebody wail before? Like cry hysterically? Usually like it's over like a loss of a loved one or something like that. But can you imagine that people are going to cry like that, right? Verse 8. 
I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty, just so that you know. <laughs> just to remind you, the Almighty, come on. And if, um, and if, if, we, had, if we had the, um, the Bible, if you had your Bible open, you would see that those words are also in red. You got your Bible open? Are those words in red? So who's saying that? Jesus is saying that. I am the Alpha and the Omega. You have all these people that are be like, well, he was only a prophet. He, he, you know, he, he was never God. He says it. Where's proof? Out of his mouth. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Come on. That's Jesus. You guys with me? So Revelation 1 through 3, right, it gives us a little bit of stuff. Uh, 4 through 8, he talks about the seven spirits. Um, now, you'll see this. You'll see, you'll see a reoccurring theme throughout the book of Revelation. You'll see seven, the seven, that'll be like seven, seven spirits, seven stars, seven torches, uh, seven angels, all of the, you have seven, seven, seven. Well, what does that mean? Well, seven represents perfection. God is perfect, right? Come on, someone. And so it's seven, 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 seven eyes, seven toes, seven mouths. No, not all those seven. It does say seven eyes, though. <laughs> You'll see all of these sevens because it represents perfection. Okay, here we go. You're ready to go into, um, or I got no, uh, a few more verses here I'm going to read, and then, we'll, then we'll, uh, we're going to go into the actual letter here. Um, let's, read, let's read verse 9 through 20. I, John, your brother, so this is, uh, he's going to give us kind of just some more kind of like introduction. So, so Revelation 1 is like the introduct introductory letter. It's kind of like, hey, let you know this is what's happening. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation in the kingdom and, uh, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God, the testimony of Jesus. How many of us know kind of like the history of John? John was persecuted. He was, he was thrown in jail. He was doing all these things. And he's... Um, He's, he didn't actually die for his faith. They actually exiled him to, to an um, island called Patmos. So, he, so while he was on that island by himself is when he, the Lord uh, brought him into um, this place where he revealed all this stuff to him and he wrote it down. So he's on the island, uh, island of Patmos. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Okay, we're going we're gonna to continue seeing this re-occurring re, uh, uh, theme of Jesus um, not, being, not being mild and, and quiet and soft. You're going to see Jesus, lightning bolts and thunder and trumpets and, you know what I'm saying? Like, like not the lamb, like the lion coming in with, with, with brute force. So, so he's just praying in the spirit, and he heard, and he hears behind him a voice like a trumpet. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody like scream in your ear, like you're just kind of like, ah, like, you know, just imagine you're just minding your own business, and then this voice thunders behind you, and he says like a trumpet. You're, we think of trumpet, we think of like the little jazz trumpet, but think of in those days when he's saying like a trumpet, they used to use the big ram's horn, so it was like a blast. I'm like, like, just think of like something loud, okay? Behind me like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. There's seven again. To Ephesus, to uh, Smyrna, to Paramarim, whatever, Param, Paramarim, 
uh, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Verse 12, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. We're going to pause that for a minute. He's going to explain that. It's so cool. So like, there's some symbolism that's, that's seen in the book of Revelation. We don't know exactly what it is. We do our best bet to try to think of what it is. But then there are some things like this where he's going to actually tell us exactly what it is. Okay? And watch, we'll see that. So he saw, okay, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, you're going to see, you're going to understand why this is so beautiful in a minute. A one standing like a son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head were white. Any white heads in here? Yeah, you like Jesus. <laughs> here we go. Ooh. Was white wool like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the voice of many waters. There's a song about that, the voice, you know, his voice of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. He's going to tell us what that is, which is really cool. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Could you imagine seeing this? You know what happens if you saw this? You would be just like John. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Okay? There's scriptures that say no man can see God and live. Right? <laughs> he saw this and plop. <laughs> I fell at his feet as though dead. Okay? It says, but he laid his right hand on me. I, I almost feel like, like he like lost all of his life. It was like, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, like not quite. I'm, I, I'm just, in my own brain, it doesn't say this, but I mean, did he faint? Was he like, was he, did he actually like, was he on the verge of death? Did he like, he had this thing where he saw Christ in his glory and just, <laughs> why did it say he fell as though dead? And then he lays his hand on him and says, fear not. Get some strength, boy. Come back. <laughs> I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Are you guys good with us just reading the Bible today? Okay, yeah. just making sure. Making sure you ain't over here yawning and thinking that this is uh, boring. Because if you're reading the Bible as boring in church, then, then we, need to, we need to wake you up because you're dead. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You need breathe. You need some fresh life in you. Because this is the word of the Lord, man. This should, this should be breathing. As we're speaking this, this should be breathing inside of you. It should be filling you. This is the, this is the, the bread of life. Come on, these are the words of Christ. These are nourishment to our souls. I am alive and forevermore and have the keys of death and Hades. Man, come on, somebody. Say amen right there. Amen. Yes. Fear not. I'm going to say it again. Fear not, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars, thank you, Jesus, for giving us explanation. We love you for that. That you saw in my right hand, 
and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, when you went, now back at the beginning of that, isn't that amazing? It says, I turned and I saw this, and I saw one like a son of man clothed, and all this, and it says, he was in the midst of the churches. Are you, man, come on, come on, Christ is in our midst, friends, to this day. Ain't that amazing? I mean, it, it wasn't like the lampstands were over there and Jesus was over there. No, it says he was right there in the midst of the lampstands. He is right there where the church is. Come on, someone. And he's holding. And we're going to find out what, what this is. It says he calls it the seven angels, right? He actually addresses each of the letters, it says, to the angel because we're, we're going to be reading Ephesus, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, and then he, then he writes that. So, so when, we, when we read that, there's a few different things that people, the people, scholars, believe. Um, uh, one is that, that they, uh, the seven stars, uh, represent human messengers. Uh, some people believe that they could also represent human pastors, which that would be awesome. Like he's, he's holding like the, the leadership in his hand. Man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Uh, some people believe uh, that, um, that they're literal angels, that God actually gives like, I mean, can you imagine like we, we cannot see right now, but Vision Church and there's this 50-foot angel standing out there just kind of like watching over us. I'm good with all of them, really, to be honest. <laughs> So there's different belief systems on what that the star is, the angel, the angel is. Um, so you can take it for what it is. I'm not going to give you my perspective or my thought. I'm going to just tell you what, what scholars, what they, I'm going to give you a bunch of uh, the different thoughts of what scholars say. Is that cool? All right. And then you can believe whatever you want. So because <laughs> Revelation, the one thing we don't need to do is cause separation and division by eschatology. Okay. It's, we're not going to do that. All right, so Revelation chapter 2, he's getting right into it. You guys ready? You ready to go into it? Ready to go into the letter? All right, so we understand that this is a, a letter written to the book of Ephesus. We also understand it is a timeless letter that is also written to the 21st century, written to us, right? It was written, it was written for us. So when he's speaking to Ephesus, we're going to insert Vision Church, we're going to insert the Church of America, we're going to insert the Church of 2023, okay? So the angel of the church in Ephesus write, you guys sit with me? You good? Look at your neighbor, say, hold on. Hold on. Look at your other neighbor, say, I got you. I got you. Revelation chapter 2, right? Because you got to hold on. You ever ride a roller coaster? And then you go up the hill, and you're like, you're good, and then all of a sudden you're about to go down the hill, and you grab the person next to you. You ever done that? Never. <laughs> if you've never rode a roller coaster, I've ro I've rodin rodin. <laughs> I'm out of talk today. Okay, taking my kids on like the Millennium Force on their first journey up there, and they're holding on tight. And then when they get to the top of the hill, they go. <laughs> they just grab dad. So then I just grab them back. Let them know they're okay. Revelation chapter two. Here we go. We're going to read verse one through three. We're going to break it up. We're going to read verse uh, one through three. Then we'll read two through five. Then we'll read six and seven. Verses 1 through 3, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars. We know that, right? 
and in his right hand, and whom walks among the seven golden lampstands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being in our midst. Jesus. Two, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. So, so he's, he's saying, look, I see, all, I see you, right? That's, that's our word we say today. I see you. Jesus is saying, I see you. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. So verse 1 through 3, he's saying, look it, man, I see you. I see your hard work. How many of us have ever, like, done stuff for the Lord, and you're almost like, God, do you even see what I do? Do you, have you ever had that thought before? God, are you even are you watching God? Because I'm not feeling very rewarded right now. <laughs> like, do you see? Like, yes, he does. He sees. Matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples, he said, the works you do, do it in secret so that you don't get rewards here on earth, but you get rewards from me when you're in your father's kingdom. I've told, uh, I've, I've told my wife, I said, uh, when there's been different times that I've tried to do stuff in secret and she goes and tells everybody, I said, stop stealing my crown. Like, I, I don't need people to know all the stuff I do. Like, you're stealing my crown. Like, like I, I mean, you know, because it says, you know, you have the crown of life. And obviously when we go to heaven, we're going to cast those crowns before him, right? I mean, we're going to say, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's going to give us all of our accolades. And we're going to be like, we were just being faithful to you. You're, you are worthy of this. Take this. I don't need a crown. Right? Like, seriously, like, real servants aren't going to be like, yeah, look at me up in heaven. No, you're going to be like, no, Jesus, it was about you. It's always been about you. I'm so lucky that I even get to be here. <laughs> Here's the crown. You get, you're giving it to me. I'm giving it back to you. And they're going to cast, it says, the saints are going to cast their crowns back to Jesus. Right? So he's saying, I see you. I see your work. I see your toil. I see your patience. I see that you don't bear up with evil. I see that you, you're able to sniff out false teaching and false teachers, right? You sniff them out and you don't, uh, right? We need that, right? We need, we need people that can sniff out the false. But how do you sniff out the false? You got to know the truth. I tell our church, I said, how do you know we didn't, I didn't start a cult? How do you know that I'm not doing uh, fault, that I'm not teaching heresy? Because you got to know the word. Like, you got to know the word, right? Seriously. Like, like, the church has to know the word of God. We, far be it from us, I mean, we live in a day and age where we are, the word of God is so accessible to us. It wasn't maybe, you know, hundreds, a few hundred years ago, it wasn't. But we have the word of God, and so we are, like, without excuse, friends. If we don't know the word, it's our own reason. Come on, you got to know the word. Like, you got to. Like, 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 if, like, if you come to our church and you're not empowered with the word of God, then, then I have not done my job. Seriously. Like, 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 your jo like, my job is to equip the saints to do the work. Like, so, like, when you're getting attacked, when, when the enemy's coming after you because of your affiliation with Christ, that you know how to stand your ground because you're standing on his word. Because every other ground is going to shake. Every other foundation is going to shake. You, and, and nothing against all those other things, but they're going to fall. It's shaky ground, right? You might try to stand on your relationships. Those can shake. You might try to stand on, on, your, on your, your financial standing. That thing can shake, right? All of the different things that we try to stand on. But the word of God, right, it's the sure foundation. It will never shake. Come on, church. Is it okay? Can we go here today? All right. I'm trying to be nice, though. I'm trying to be nice. 
being nice here. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to continue on here in verse 4. It says, but I have this against you. Are you ready for the spanking? Come on, put like that, put that padding in your pants, tighten up those cheeks, because here it comes. You know, I mean, have you, anybody here ever actually have a, a, a real spanking when you're a kid? Like, you know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, like that's what you do. Like, like, I remember one time when I was trying to give, like, my, my kids a, a spanking, and they, <laughs> and they came out with, like, this pillow that they stuck right in their pants. <laughs> Caused me to laugh so hard, they actually didn't even get disciplined at that time, because it was just so funny. <laughs> I'm telling you, can you imagine, like, it's not like, like you know, they know they're going to get disciplined. They come down the stairs, and they got this huge badonkadonk just, like, hanging on the, because they know they're going to get a whooping. Right? So, so he says, I have this against you because you now he's about to discipline, right? What is discipline? Friends, we look at discipline as something that's evil. The scripture says God disciplines those he loves. He rebukes those whom he calls sons. Let me say this again. God says he disciplines those he loves and he rebukes those whom he calls sons, right? Sons or daughters, meaning that God gives us discipline because of his great mercy. Now, we might not coincide those two things together, but they absolutely are. Because if we didn't have discipline, we'd be off on the rail someplace, right? Probably smoked out on crack uh, in, in, a, uh, in a chicken coop, um, you know, uh, putting bird feet on our head. I mean, like, seriously, like, right? Seriously, like, 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 where would your life be without discipline right now? Seriously, I know where Josh Hester's life would be. Probably six feet below or in a jail somewhere. Or I would be the one that's, on, that's, that's strung out on, on drugs living in my car living in a van down by the river. Sorry, that was a Chris Farley. Yeah. <laughs> Great skit, by the way, back in the, was it back in the, back in the 90s? Okay, okay, say, so, so we've got to get these laughs in because he's going to give us a, a nice, strong rebuke, right? He's going to give us a rebuke. As I said, sometimes when you know you've got to like tense up, you're like, I'm going to get it. I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Who did I say this was written to? This was written to not only the first century church, but this is also, or this is also written to the 21st century. So, he's, so this is, he's breathing this to us too. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, whew, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And then he, uh, we're going to pause there because then we're going to go into this for a minute. Um, so uh, in, in verse 1, uh, he, uh, he's talking about how he holds up, he holds up the, the angel. He's holding in his hand, like, like the messenger. So whether that's the angel, whether that's the, the pastor, the leader, the shepherd, the messenger, he actually is holding that. And then he's walking among the church. He's there with them. So he's not like, I'm giving you all these instructions and I'm not even there. Friends, I'm right here with you. I'm here. I'm among the churches. And then in verse uh, 2 through 3, he's giving the encouragement. He's like, oh, man, you guys are doing such a good job. Jesus is sandwiching the rebuke. You know, have, you ever had, have you ever heard of the sandwich method? If you've got to correct somebody, you give them a good thing, you throw it in, and then you give them something good again. We're gonna, <laughs> where, did, where did that come from? I don't know, but it came from God. <laughs> because now, he, uh, when we go into verse 7, he's going to go into finishing off the sandwich. <laughs> give some encouragement. Rebuke! And then more encouragement. But we need the rebuke, right? 
We love the encouragement. I love the encouragement. Okay, so verse 2 through 3, he's giving the encouragement. He's like, you guys are doing well. Verse 4 through 5, he's giving the rebuke. And this is what he says. He says, remember, repent, and rework. Say that with me. Say, remember, repent, and rework. That's what he's saying. Right? Remember the height from you fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. Go and, and do that rework, <laughs> that stuff you used to do. Go and do that again. And then it says, if not, I'm going to snuff you out. Snuffed out, church. Like, huh, whoo, ouch. Like, think of like, snuffed out, like birthday candles, blown out, no wish, no presents, no cake. <laughs> like, snuffed. Like, I'm going to remove your lampstand. I'm going, to remo- I'm, going to, I'm going to eliminate that church. You're done. And I'm going to go, in, and, uh, I'm going to go into a little bit of... of Something that was uh, talked about that in a, fin- in a minute, but I want to finish these uh, two ver- verses here. Verse 7, or verse, uh, verse 6. It says, yet you have this. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. What do we say? We believe that uh, there's modern scholars believe that's kind of the same work of Balaam, you know, being deceived and manipulated through sexual immorality, blah, blah, blah. Okay? And he says he hates that. Like, like you being deceived and, and, and corrupting uh, yourself through all this stuff. Verse 7, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Come on. Say, Lord, I have ears to hear. Yes. Man, I pray, I pray that over myself a lot. I'm like, Lord, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear. I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like the um the modern church of of, of um when Christ was there and the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had the word of God. Uh, memorized, and they missed it because they didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. Now, there were a lot of Pharisees, not a lot, but there were, there were handfuls of them that did receive Christ. They, they did believe Christ. They did come to faith. There were a lot that were so hardened because they didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. And that could be, and I mean, the church, I mean, today, we can, we can, we can uh, have all of the rules and regulations and have all of the rituals and have all of the quote-unquote, good-looking things and still not have eyes to see or ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Wow. There's a promise for conquerors, friends. Say in the name of Jesus, I am a conqueror. Actually, the Scripture calls you more than a conqueror through Christ. It's amazing. So we have, we have the encouragement, we have the rebuke, and then, uh, and then in verse 6 through 7, we have the promise reward. So, so we'll just kind of break this down here. So we got, we got the description of Christ. He holds the seven stars. He walks among the seven lampstands. We have uh, the commendation. He's like, man, you guys are doing vigilant. You, know, you, you know, you guys are doing it. Uh, and then there's the rebuke, where it's the loss of the first love. Go to the next slide, please, Jordan. Uh, there's the rebuke. Then he gives the solution. He said, hey, look, man, you've done this, and this is the solution for that. I love that. I love that, in, I love that, that Christ doesn't just say, this is where you're wrong, and then just leave it there. He says, this is what, what you can do to get back on track. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Christ is so good to us. He gives a solution. He's like, man, re- re- remember. Remember that, the hype. Remember where you were at one time. Repent and do the first works. And then, he, then there are the consequences of disobedience. If you, don't do, if you decide not to do that, if you don't repent, if you don't, if you don't remember, repent, and go back to the thing, this is what's going to happen. 
Now, that's scary because what we would call that is apostate. Have you ever heard that word before? Is it, do I need to, you know, I'll explain it to you. So, so an apostate, when, when, if you've ever heard of the term apostate, if, the, if, if you hear somebody say, you know, well, that's a, they're an apostate or, or they whatever, or you hear that term apostate, what that actually is is apostate is a person who rejects Christ. They renounce the principles and beliefs, the, the things that they are once professed, and so then they become cut off. So Christ is saying, here, I'm going to give you this, this encouragement. Look, you're doing all these good works. Thank you for all that. Keep going. But you also have to do this. You need to bring this area of your life back into alignment. And if you say, Christ, that doesn't, that doesn't affect me, then what you're doing is you're saying what you believe is better than what Christ believes, and then now you're cutting yourself off from Christ because isn't he the church? He's the head of the church. And that's the problem, friends, and that's what's happened is, is the church has now become the head of the church, and Christ has not become the head of the church anymore. If Christ is the head of a church, then we follow what he instructs instead of following what we feel. We have to follow what Christ instructs and not follow what we feel, friends. And we are living in such a day that it's all about feelings. Man. Verse 4 and 5, he says, go back and do the love you did at first. Now, uh, uh, some uh, interpretations of that to the book of Ephesus was that the book of Ephesus lost its early love for Christ. So that's what some interpretations are like. like. So when he's saying go back, like you've forsaken your first love, like the first love was Christ. Like so, so you think of like when you're first in love and you like are all in love, like, like you do everything for that person, like they can do no wrong, like, like you're happy and you're, you're happy and you're skippy and you're bouncy and, and just, you know, like, like your, your, your whole world revolves around them, right? And then after a course of time, that begins to fade, right? We call it in love. They call it fall in love because you can fall out of love. Hopefully, what, what then begins to happen is that love becomes mature. And that mature love becomes sacrificial. But then what even happens with that sacrificial love is you can begin to stop showing love and affection to that person that you're married to or vice versa. And then you, yeah, you take them for granted, you can whatever, whatever, and then, you know, divorce rates happen because of this type of stuff, right? So, so Christ is saying that we need to go back to our first love. So some interpretations are, are that, that Ephesus was doing all of these things, and kind of like Martha, what happens is, is you're doing all the work, and you forget to be like Mary. You need them both. You got to be Mary. You got to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. You got to be in his presence. You got to be loving on the Lord, but you also got to be doing something too. You can't just be sitting in church and doing nothing, right? <laughs> right? Or you can't just be running around doing everything for the Lord and not sitting and, and being with him too, right? You can fall, that's what we call Martha and Mary, right? Um, and so, and what, what happens with Martha's is, is then you start becoming bitter when you see, you, when you feel like you're doing all the work and no one's helping you. And you leave the church and you're all mad, blah, blah, blah. Start complaining. You know what she did? She's like, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. Like, no. <laughs> come and sit down. Come, come be a part of what this is. So some interpretations are that that actually is Christ, that that, that is the Lord. 
Now, other interpretations is that they believe that what happened was that the Ephesian believers, that they had lost their love for one another. They, they stopped having passion and compassionate on others. And the first works were actually when they were actually serving people with like the right heart. So some interpretations are, that's why it says, go and do the works you did at first. See, see how I'm giving kind of like the, the both kind of, the works, because the work, you know, you don't, you're loving God, Christ isn't works. The works, go and do the works you did at first. Some interpret that is because, because they were serving with, with right hearts at first. And then what happens? And then you just, it becomes ritual and it becomes routine. And then you lose your love for why you're doing what you do. And you can see that happen in ministry with people. You can do that. You, maybe that's happened to you in ministry. Maybe you, maybe you were so passionate about something and man, you were just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And then you lost your love for it. And you decided to stop doing it. And that happens. So Christ is Christ's rebuke. Two different interpretations by many scholars are that that means going back to the love of, of Christ and then go or going back to the love you did at first. And I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say both interpretations um, are very related. It could be Christ's love, it could be the love for your neighbor, because really, to be honest, when you look at the way that Christ talked about love, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor and yourself. And he said, the second is like it. It's like the first one. So, so whatever interpretation it is, maybe it's both. Whatever interpretation it is, we need to get back to loving our first love again. First uh, John, and, an, uh, and a reason that I believe that both are, are, are kind of almost one and the same, is because of, because of what Christ said. And then we see in, in the book of 1 John here, do I, do I got that verse up there? I think I do. Yeah, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So it could be the, the fact that, that they only said they loved God, but then didn't actually mean it. And how many of us know that Christ not only knows our works, he knows the reason why we do what we do? Like he knows, like, like he knows our deeds, like he knows our heart, he knows our, our, our intimate parts of us, like the very hairs on our head are numbered. God knows us so intricately. I mean, we're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, he knows every chromosome in your body. He knows everything about us. And so, so when he's bringing correction and he's telling He's telling the book of Ephesus also to the church of America, the church of Waterville, the, ch the church, Vision Church. Remember the height you've fallen. Go back and do. So, how do we do? So, what do we do? We are going to do our absolute best to number one, friends, we need to stay passionate. We got to stay passionate. We cannot grow old and grow cold. Can't grow old and grow cold. Say this, say, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to grow old and grow cold. You can't refuse to grow old, it's part of life, but you can refuse to grow old and grow cold, right? Like, like you just, be, you become cold to people. We don't need that. Like, you don't need to, on your journey, like the scripture says, he who endures to the end will be saved. I mean, there's so many people that have a good start, and then they don't complete the race or they have such a rough ending. Man, you need to have a strong ending, right? Seriously, come on. Strong. That's why you're here today, right? You're here to remain faithful so that you have a strong ending, not just a strong beginning. Come on, someone say amen right there. 
We want to have a strong, strong ending. We need to stay passionate, friends. We got to keep our fire for the Lord. The scripture talks about that we are to keep our spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. That's what the scripture says. Keep your spiritual fervor. Keep that fire. Don't let anyone snuff you out. Don't let anyone shut you up. Don't let anyone tell you you're being too passionate. You're being too zealous. No, friends. Love the Lord with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all of your strength. We give people the, 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 the opportunity to love people as, as loud in this place or as quiet in this place as you want. You're not going to hear people shushing you. Keep your spiritual fervor. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your fire. Keep your fire. And how, and, we gotta, and, and how we keep that fire is we got, to, we got to stay in communion with them. Why relationships fall apart is because communication falls. They stop spending time with each other. When, I, when my wife and I first got married and, and, and we saw somebody that was married for a long period of time, we said, how do you keep the fire? They said, keep on dating. Keep on dating. They're still married. It's probably been like 60 years. Who knows how long? Right? But they, have that, they had the fire then and they have the fire now because they kept that passion for one another. It's very easy to, to grow old and grow cold. Grow cold with each other. Grow cold with the Lord. We got to keep our passion. Now, you know, uh, I know there's like the, the thought of like, you know, well, you can have passion and zeal without knowledge and all that other stuff. We're going to get into that. But you need to have zeal. Zeal without knowledge. What about the zeal, though? A lot of people have knowledge without zeal. Come on. We need the zeal. We need that, we need that zealous passion. So number one, friends, we got to stay passionate. Number two, we got to stay teachable, right? We need knowledge. You got to stay teachable. You got to stay in the word. You got to receive correction. Whew. Let me say this. You ready for this? You may not like the vessel that brings the correction to you. <laughs> I mean, if we could, I mean, if you could choose, right? You'd be like, 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 if you could choose, like, like you would, it'd be so easy. Like, I want them to correct me. Like, you know, no, no, it's not how it works, right? Oh, well, then you might as well just choose what correction you're going to receive then too. No. <laughs> God tests our character, and he tests it through the person that, that's correcting us. How are you going to receive it? Are you really teachable? Because there's a lot, it's easy to say, I'm teachable, until you're in a teachable moment, and you don't want to receive anything teachable. How many of us in here are stubborn? Yes, me. And when somebody, I'm telling you, the, the person that God may use, I'm not saying that he always did, but that they may use to help improve your life is your spouse. God just may use them every day of your life. And you may not like it. But the scripture says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And the actual scripture talks about how, you know, that it was not good that man should be alone and that he brought a helper. That word helper is almost the same as Holy Spirit. And so God uh, brings you together with a person that you can sharpen one another. So when they are helping you, don't just cut them out. Don't just shut them up. Stay teachable. Throw your little adult temper tantrum for a second. Get over yourself. Suck up your pride. I'm talking to myself. And receive it because you know they're right. It's quiet up in here. <laughs> Uh, I think those that know us the best can help us out the best, right? 
Now, some, th- some things are just plain lies. I mean, they're just lies. You, but if you have the Spirit of God in you, and you love the Lord, then you'll know when you're in a teachable moment. And sometimes those teachable moments are harder because maybe we're, maybe we're harder to get our attention. Or maybe it's just God. I mean, what did Job do? He didn't do nothing. He's like, let me just see how, how he's going to handle all this. Right? Like, what if God was like, you know, Satan goes up, said, hey, you know, what's, what are you doing? Satan's like, I'm just roaming the earth. He's like, have you considered my servant Gage? What? <laughs> Wait, what? We don't know. We don't know the test. Like, we don't know the cosmos. Like, we don't know, like, what God, why God does, who, what, we don't know. I mean, I mean, that's why, that's why in the scriptures it's, it's filled with, with David saying, why? Why, 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 God, why? <laughs> I don't know why, but in the end, I love you, right? Stay teachable. You may not understand why. You may never know why. I mean, we have all the whys. Why do the good die young? Why do the, why do the wicked prosper? Why, why, why? We don't know. I don't know. I don't know why the scripture says in the book of Hebrews that some were rescued from death and others were given to death. Like seriously, like, like, why, was, like why, was, why was James beheaded and killed and then Peter rescued from prison? I don't know. Was he better? No. Maybe, maybe James was better. Maybe the Lord was like, here, I'm going to bring James up to be with me so they ain't got to deal with all this earthly stuff anymore. And we're looking at it from wrong perspective. We're looking, at, we're looking at him dying as being like, well, that was evil, when in fact the Lord was like, no, I'm going to come up and bring him so he's with me, while, while Peter is still stuck on earth dealing with all this crap. I don't know. We don't know. Just stay teachable. Stay teachable. Teachable. Right? I don't know. Okay, here, we're going to end here. And then finally, friends, stay humble. Stay humble. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. But this is the thing, friends, you know, we need, we need knowledge. We absolutely do. But it'll, it'll puff you up. The more you know, the more you think you know. <laughs> right? Isn't that true? Like, seriously, like, the more you know, the more you think you know. And so we need to learn to stay humble. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Okay? The, the, it actually should be the more we know, the more grace we should have and the more grace we should give. Like, seriously, like, like the greater of the revelation of Christ in your life should be the greater grace that you give to others, the greater grace that you give to yourself, right? Seriously, like, can, let me say that again. Let me say this again. Listen, friends, the greater knowledge that you have of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater understanding that, that, that your eyes have been opened up to him, the greater level of grace you should have for others. Friends, we are called to be, that's why we got to stay teachable because friends, and I, I totally skipped this whole part, sorry. I'm going to go back to it real quick and we'll go back into humility in a minute. Um, we got to stay teachable. We got to, God's called us to be st- stimulated spiritually like in a, on an intellectual level. It's so like, you know, like memorize scripture, like get the word in your brain. Seriously, like study the word, like study stuff about the Bible, like, like get it, right? Like get it, like get intellectually stimulated. Um, we also, we need to be emotionally stimulated, right? The, the scripture talks about like love, joy, and peace. Like these are like patience. Like these are the fruits of the spirit. They're like, like, those are like 
where we're, we're so, where we are emotionally stimulated. And why would he do that stuff? Because they're called to help combat, right? The anger, the irritation, right? All that stuff that, that the, right? The, the impatience, anxiety, like all the things that, that want to keep us emotionally bound. So we got to say, we got to stay teachable uh, by, by, by allowing our intellect to be stimulated and, and allowing our emotions to be stimulated by the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength, right? And then we got to be physically stimulated, like, like how we serve people, like serving people, loving people, treating one another, uh, how we deal with conflict, how we deal with people, like, like physically serving, like serving, right? Like so, so, so staying teachable is, is being stimulated intellectually, emotionally, physically, like all these things, like treating each other with love and stuff like that. Um, and having the combat, having the, the conduct of Christ here on earth and being salt and light. And so, and then staying humble is just, you just know that, that you're not like the one. <laughs> Sorry, I, I love saying slang because some of y'all just, oh, you're not there because you don't have teenagers. So I know all of it. Like, like that's a saying, like you're not the one. Like <laughs> you just got to know like you're not the one. Like you're not the main character. There's another one. My, my daughter's probably over there rolling her eyes at me. <laughs> like, oh gosh, she's using slang. Like, you're an NPC. Because <laughs> Christ is the main character. Right? Like, like he's like, like when you when you're reading a story and you have like all the side characters and you have the main character, like in your story, you're not the main character. Christ is the main character. Right? You're a side character. Right? He's Batman, you're Robin. Like, you're not the Batman. We want to be the Batman, right? We want to be the Superman. We want to be the main character. But in order for, for us to stay humble, Christ has to be the main character in your life. Amen. He has to be. When you make him Lord, when you make him master, when you make him Christ of your life, then you no longer are serving yourself, you're serving him. So friends, in order for us to get this, this first letter, it's written to the Ephesians and also written to us. We got to stay passionate. Keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. We got to stay teachable, man. Like, receive correction. Like, be that person that is willing to walk in humility. And man, I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. If we keep all these things, this is what's going to happen. Matthew chapter 25, this is what's going to happen. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer to him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty, and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? When did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer to them, truly I say to you, as you have done it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. He will say that to you, if you stay passionate, teachable, and humble. They didn't even know what they were doing. We see you. They weren't like, look at what we're doing for you, Lord. They didn't even realize they were doing it. They're just doing it. 
I need to be seated this. And he'll say, those are the servants I want in my kingdom. Come. And then, but then this part, because this, the, this is part of the corrective part too, right? He said, if you don't do this, I will snuff out your lampstand. Christ has also said, because he separated the sheep from the goats, he told his sheep this, and the goats that are on the left, and then he will say to those on the left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So that's the corrective part. We need to pray today. Let's pray. Father, we uh, agree with your word today. God, we don't, we don't try to uh, make your word <laughs> uh, be bent and turned uh, and, to agree with our lifestyle. Lord, we want our life to agree with your word. And so what that takes is us humbling ourselves. And Lord, I thank you that even today, Lord, there are so many voices, there are so many influencers, there's, there's social media, there's so many names, there's so many things, there's, there's, there's so much stuff, God, that's filling our headspace. Lord, we need to have ears that hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, we need to have ears that are hearing your voice. So in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that in our life, that Lord, that we would either dial down or even mute the voices of others. God, dial down and, or I'm going to say mute the voice of the enemy. Mute anything that is not of you, Christ. And Lord, I pray that, that you would, would amplify your voice in our life. Lord, because your word says that my sheep know my voice. And Lord, we want to know your voice. Lord, we want to we hear those words. Come. You did all of this. Come and receive. Come and be with me. So Lord, we receive the correction that you gave to the church of Ephesus, and we repent right now. We say, God, forgive us. Come on, we're, gonna, we're repenting as a church, as a church. So just join with me in this, in this prayer of repentance. Lord, we just repent, God, of making things, that are not, making things that are not about you, Lord. Making church not about you, God. Making it about us. Making it, God, we, we, have, we have caused so much idolatry, God. We've made so many things about ourselves. We've made so many things about all these other things. And Lord, we have neglected to keep you first. So Father, we repent right now in the name of Jesus. Forgive us. We repent. We turn from our ways, Lord. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that song that, that we, we sing. God, it's all about you. <laughs> it's all about you, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for the way that I've made it. I'm sorry. When it's all about you. Lord, thank you, Father. Church is about you. Our gathering today is about you. Vision Church is about you. The church of Northwest Ohio, we want to be about you. The church in America, we want to keep Christ first. Keep Christ first. The church abroad, the church of the world, the, the, the church of Christ, we want to keep Christ first. We come back to our first love. We come back to working with the right heart. We come back to serving and loving peoples with the way that you've designed for us to love them unselfishly. And Lord, we repent. And Lord, thank you for keeping our lampstand burning bright. Thank you for keeping our lampstand burning, Lord. 
And Lord, thank you that, God, as we do that, as we say yes to you, as we receive the corrective word, God, thank you that your word says to the conquerors, God, we're going to be with you forever. We're going to get to eat from the tree of life. We're going to get to be with you forever. Such a great reward. It's such a costly fight. So, Lord, give us courage in the fight. In Jesus' name, may the Lord bless you and keep you, friends. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord's face shine upon you, right? Mm. That, that face that shines like the brilliant sun, like how John saw. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. May he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.